0: hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the NZPE teacher cast uh, video log. Uh, I'm here with uh, Troy Uy who's been a guest on the podcast before uh, but he was uh, up in Wellington and I thought it'd be a really good opportunity to bring him in and have a bit of a discussion around a few things that are kind of important in physical education. Uh, a little bit about physical activity and things of that nature so um, it's going to be another brief chat for the video log around about three questions with some actionable content at the end uh, so hopefully there will be something here for you to take away so Troy welcome to the video log Thanks for having how are me. things going
1: yeah not too bad yeah yeah just a little bit of a break um did a I kind of hit a milestone in terms of your PhD progression so that was on that was presenting my proposal Uh, On the Monday, so now, oh, last Monday, so now it's like my time to have a rest because post grad life is kind of, in terms of structure, it's so structured that it's actually unstructured, I guess, a little bit, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you've been, for those of you who haven't heard Troy's podcast, that was maybe a year or so ago, Um, Troy was one of my students at Wellington High School, Uh, then he went on to phys ed school. And now he's looking at his um, doing some amazing things in his in his postgrad. Um, so you've just gone through that PhD process. Can you tell us
1: a little bit about that, the process, what happened, and what your focus is going to be? Yeah, right. So the process itself actually started in my honours year. So that, I think the last time I was here, I was finishing my honours degree. Um, and so I did that and that was a stepping stone so every sort of work that I did was a stepping stone into where I am now at the first year of my PhD Um, so my honours was looking at Pacific research methodologies and Pacific models of health that was to understand like the nuances I guess of um, Pacific perspectives of health because I think it's something in terms of negative health statistics it's always these are bad these are bad but it's like oh well um, how are we going to address that and to address that you need to know what these, what their perspectives are first, and then specific research methodologies so of how we're actually going to go about doing that. Um, and then I we went into my master's, which was creating a pilot study, um, utilizing so just taking resistance exercises that you'd use for, you know, just using Therabands and dumbbells and whatnot, but uh, providing context for them by uh, taking. So I don't know if you've ever done uh, like made coconut cream or try to climb a tree, grab a coconut down and then grate it, husk it and do all that sort of stuff. I've watched someone do yeah, it I've done <laughs> myself. <laughs> it's um it's it's such a tough, tough process and you don't you don't think about it as like physical activity, but obviously you know you're contracting your muscles and everything's super tight and it's pretty complex. But The four phases, so I broke it down into four phases and then um, had resistance exercises that corresponded to each of the phases. So um, they are, you know, they're not compound exercises, but there will be stuff for everyone. And it just provides, like you're saying, you're doing this movement, which is going to work these muscles um, and this sort of sequence, and that's going to help with this. And you're like this. Say it's grabbing the coconut, and you you like twisting, and then supporting weight overhead, that sort of stuff. So for people who don't understand much about physical activity, that you know they, you've given them context, and they're like, ah, oh, that's just like this. Um, and the reason that came about was because I was running strength and balance exercises with my Pacific community down in Dunedin, and I do that like every time I do an exercise, and I. Th- um, I'd say, you know, these are the muscles that are working. We're going to lift this, that's going to this area. But And then after it, one of the ladies was like, it was so nice to actually have it explained to me because I would just follow what they're doing, like watching them. They're like, okay, they're lifting the arm, um, just like doing it. They're like, okay, I'm getting from point A to point B. I think that's what they want. And um, they're like, but I had no idea. And then they say it's meant to be working in the doubt there. And they're like, oh, but I was feeling it. like, oh, And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, well so you are moving that's great but we're not moving where you want you to and then she did uh, she mimed a chair or oh, like, a, like a, a squat on the spot she was like it's this that's like standing up out of a chair and I was like yes that is exactly what we need so my PhD was building on that and now I'm working in a Pacific community uh, down in Dunedin and then taking the findings from that uh, results wise over to Raro. so I actually yep. get to do a stint back home in the cook islands um but yeah the phd process is it's a bit crazy especially for myself in this area because no one's done anything like this before and it seems to me like such a basic concept but no one's done it before so everyone's like how can we get on board or like um just really yeah this is the term groundbreaking has been used in my hrc like the report that they did on it but um I just this is me getting my people more active and
0: yeah I, th- yeah. I think that's awesome and I love that story about um, the lady and the squad and then building the context and like I do a lot of the gamification stuff and I mentioned it before but that's like you're just providing narrative and exactly. context for them and that's like when we when we, in education when we tell stories mm. the learners are like oh man this is like their, their engagement just yeah. goes through the roof it's much more in, in your context I don't think it makes it more exciting but it makes it more uh, understandable yeah, and sure. if people can understand what they're doing then they're going to be more engaged mm. because they're not going to be fearful of going oh well I don't really understand Troy and what he's doing so oh, I'm not really into this and then yeah. they have a, a negative relationship exactly with that, yeah. with that activity so um, I, it's a for me to observe you and the processes that, that you've gone through from this this kid at High school, who was role modeling this amazing behaviour, and then seeing you go to ed School, and then seeing your focus on your community and your tribe, and and the people that are, are closest to you—it's really exciting mm. to observe. And um, massive power on the back for you know. I think you you could have gone in, in a whole lot of different directions because you have so many skills, but you chose to work with your community, which is says a lot about you. So mm. that's that's awesome. Uh, one, one other thing I've seen from you as you've been as from leaving school and 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 your evolution and and the way that you've grown is this relationship you have with physical activity right and i remember bumping into you and i was like no you're looking pretty big and you're like (laughs) putting up all these not selfies but you could you were showing your progress on facebook and then you know you were doing lifting the weights pretty hard and now you're you're into um crossfit so and and that's like that's like crazy as well seeing that and seeing the things you do and like it pains me to look at you now and you're like you're like bigger than me now and it's <laughs> killing me but, but that's alright but do you want to tell us a little bit about your evolving passion for physical activity because I think that links into the last question I'm and sure. it's definitely going to link into the next one.
1: Yeah I um, so obviously like every I guess like most New Zealand children um, the goal was to represent New Zealand uh, playing rugby so I started playing rugby when I was six so that's probably the start of it all. But this is where it changes because when I turned about 13, so I was in development squads and whatnot growing up, and I really enjoyed the camaraderie and the social aspect. And then, like, it was one of those things that I was good at, but I didn't know if I was passionate about it because I was good or I was good because I was passionate. It was like that's a really weird and philosophical kind of thought to have as a 13 year old, but the amount of training that we were doing for like 12 year olds, 13 year olds, I was like, this is a lot of time. Um, and I also just started high school And I wanted to be more social So from that I was like Okay I do realise now that it's actually I'm just good at this And I'm not very passionate about the sport itself Because I don't want to train as hard um, I just want to play the game But so after that I you know, just went through Played normal high school rugby And then um, so I like dropped out of the academy And whatnot, And then um, I think it was Probably year 13, so I stopped doing PE as well in year 11, uh, and then year 12, I got back into PE, and it was kind of like, oh, this is fun, but then year 13 was when I was like, oh my gosh, there's, like, there's a real science to this, because I didn't do science at high school, so I didn't really understand like testing hypotheses and all that, um, but we did, I think it was the 10-week ten week training for a druathlon, mm-hmm. where... At the time, I was just like, that's "All right, right. I did it down Evans Bay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, "At the time, all right, we're just gonna um, we're just gonna go out and do some training, okay? I'll do a long run here." And we kind of like got a little bit, uh, started learning about the you know, principles of training and all that. Um, but I took that as ten weeks. Okay, I'm gonna develop my own program, and then in this time, I'm gonna start figuring out what it is that's gonna work so that my end goal. Which is the duathlon is going to be like it's going to be a walk in the park, or I'm not going to die. So, essentially, we're testing whether 10 weeks of training or what I consider training was going to um, help me get like my end goal, which is completing the race and getting it. I think they had like it was like achieved merit excellence, depending on your time. Um, And that was like if we had known back then, or if I had known. Like, this is science. This is you're testing a hypothesis and you are manipulating the variables, which are the different types of training. And then we're going to see what happens to me as an individual over a 10 week period. That was fun. That's when, Mm. well, that was when I was like, man, this stuff's so cool. You can, like, I'm just using my own body and just moving it in different ways, and it's getting this sort of response. Um, So the training side came back. Um, So I've always just loved being physically active, but. The training side, which I hated or, like, which I lost um, because it was too competitive as a rugby player, we came back and I was like, well, I can just do this for myself. Um, and I think with the wealth of knowledge that's out there, like, you can access anything. Google. Um, you don't need too many experts per se, but you need, uh, you can train yourself to be able to do that sort of stuff. Um, so that's where that's where my, my curiosity, I guess, came for uh you know learning about the variables and whatnot that you can manipulate for physical activity just to just to interrupt yeah, there, it yeah. reminded me of a um
0: of a another a story but so like my perspective on on a lot of that and apologies for the planes <laughs> if you don't no know it is right next to the airport and planes can, it's nothing we can do about it so apologies for that but um Troy and I have actually just come from a workout. He took me through a workout at um, one of the local gyms, CrossFit FRF, and we've had a bit of a workout. But I like that stuff about manipulating um, your training and stuff like that. I always remember vividly um, watching Pumping Iron, and, and it has Arnie, <laughs> and he's, I think it was in Pumping Iron, and he's like, I'm, I'm an artist. Yeah. And, you know, instead of slapping on some clay, I manipulate my, my training it, yeah, to fun. build my weaknesses. And yeah. I, I find that really interesting to. Think about the weaknesses, or what you want to achieve, or how you want to perform, and then going on a bit of paper. Oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. Yeah. And I find that bit really interesting. Mm-hmm. And there's not a massive science behind it either. Um, and I guess that's why we see the rise of all of this fit and stuff, and people on social media mm-hmm. doing all of their their thing because they are seeing results and they are manipulating things. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess from from your perspective now, you're pairing that with some really good science yeah. and, and research as well.
1: Yeah. So I. Uh, it's 100% true I think you are correct in saying that like you can make it as um, as complicated but then that's like less accessible for everyone else but the more simple you can make it uh, the more accessible it's going to be for everyone else and it's just like a huge barrier for people being physically active is that they say like so time is the biggest one but then one of the second is just expertise Um, and that's where it comes back to just providing context to everything that you do, um, but then so I I started training and like seeing body changes. Obviously, at about 18 years old, you're like you, aesthetic starts to play a big role. Um, but then after, so I think it was about three years of just training bodybuilding type training, um, and my appendix just blew up, and after that, I couldn't train for six weeks. And I was, I think I put on no, I lost a lot of weight after that, and there's like it played a massive role, uh, like in terms of mental health. You're just like looking at these photos of what you used to be, and then like you go in the gym again. It sh- it's a miracle that you're walking, or like you're moving the way you are moving. But you're just like, I used to do this. Um, so then I was just like, well, if I stop focusing on what I look like, which took a lot of time, was probably like half a year of getting over the fact that I used to look like something else and then found crossfit where you're actually testing your performance all the time and then that's another way you're manipulating variables to perform a different way rather than looking a certain way but then with that comes um the aesthetic part of it as well
0: Uh, Uh,
1: that what you mentioned about the the mental health
0: side of things it's i mean that's that's real and like this is going to sound really vain but but it's it's not, and you'd only understand this if you were into the sport like this. Mm. Bodybuilding culture is is really different, and so I when I was competing, mm. I was at my heaviest. I was 115 kilos, right. and when you've put in all of this work and you you get that big and you're at that size, it wasn't healthy at all. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't healthy at all. But you turn heads walking down the street, yeah. and you get used to it, and you get used to people asking you about your training and what you're doing and stuff like that and that kind of and there's that addictive component of that and you like people recognise you as a lifter and that's all really cool but now I still lift just as hard as I was then but I've decided that well okay I want to be I want to sit at 90 kilos Mm. and like I walk down the street I'm just another I'm just (laughs) Joe Blocks I'm like another I'm just general average Joe Mm. I have musculature, but it's like, you're only going to see that if I take all my clothes off. I'm right. not going to walk down the street <laughs> naked. But so, for me, going from a big guy who was recognized as a lifter to now somebody who you wouldn't even know that I lift unless you saw me in the gym, mm-hmm. um, that's like, and as silly as that sounds, and mm-hmm. I know people are listening right now go, oh, what a dick. <laughs> as silly as that sounds, it's it's real. And you yeah. can see while people there's so much um, eating disorder associated mm. with like that fitness culture and Yeah, I think that's really sad
1: yeah because on that I just remember <laughs> I think it was one of my, my second bulking phase so I was in a caloric surplus and I'd probably like a good five weeks, so I should have looked a little bit bigger. And then I saw, I don't know if it was, oh, I was a family member, and then, so they'd seen me when I was a little bit smaller, but then they are like, oh, you're looking lean, and then that really just, that destroyed <laughs> me. I was like, I'm five weeks into a caloric surplus, thanks. Um, but yeah, I just said, oh, thank you. But yeah, it really, it does, it's massive, and I think, uh, it's weird that, I, I, you don't really become isolated in it, but the more, so I started on the Facebook and Instagram um, around a similar time that I was at like at my best condition, um, and it's where you start putting it out and you are you, trying to be philosophical and like let people know um, this is how you overcome it. But then that platform actually kind of became a um, a diary to remind me of what I needed to do because mm-hmm. that whole time you're your own biggest critic. You're putting your photos <coughs> out there, and but you're like you're looking at it. For yourself, you're not really uh, or I don't know about anyone else, but I didn't care about what other people thought that was just me putting it out there so that I became accountable to myself, but then I also that became my downfall because when I put on all the weight or lost my conditioning, I look back at it and I'm like, "Oh that's where I used to be, so getting over that was, was yeah. massive, yeah yeah, but so physical activity, like I said before, you keep it as um as simple so that it can become accessible for other people as possible because the more complicated it gets, just the more um, people can make up excuses to yeah, not yeah, do it. Yeah, I, I
0: agree. And this is probably going to come through in, in your next question, but mm. so you're doing a lot of stuff with, with a community where you're trying to build engagement with exercise and physical activity mm. and improve that relationship there. I always like this last question to be something actionable for our audience. So how how do you think, in your perspective, you've been a student, you're somebody who's leading others, how can teachers, physical Mm -hmm. education teachers, or any teacher for that matter, how can we foster and grow a positive relationship with sport and physical activity among our students? What what
1: do you think are some strategies for being able to do that successfully? Right. Um, I think it kind of came through in that first part, and it's what I'm doing... PhD wise, and it's providing it is providing context to everything that we're doing. So, like with the gamification, you're taking something that they know, and then turning that into physical activity. Um, But if we're talking, maybe from a teaching standpoint as well, so we're trying to get content across as well. Um, I've always thought, like I'm really big on metaphors, especially in like the Pacific Maori culture. Everything is based on metaphors, so um, we have. Have you heard, like, taonga takaro? No. So they're basically Māori games based on narrative. Okay. So, um, like, say say there was a story, and then, like, these balls represent this part of the story, and this character had to take these balls over to that bucket over there um, 12 times, and then so you're scoring 12 points. So, like, metaphors are massive for helping us to understand, so... You're moving. You're moving as the characters. So it's teaching you both the uh, story as well as you are being physically active. Um, with my PhD, my, the whole thing is Tiwaiwai, which is like... That is um, a Cook Islands art form. And I basically my presentation of the PhD is in Tiwaiwai form. So the different processes. Um, but I was thinking about this and you can take anything. So let's say we're trying to oh man um, we've got energy systems because I think that's uh, you still yeah, you with the science side systems. yeah so like that's that's three phases so you have your like ATP, CP, and then you have your anaerobic glycolytic and then your aerobic so if you're teaching content as well as trying to teach someone about their uh, energy systems you know you can have the different ways that you approach uh, your learning and the different ways that you're training for different things so I think that's something that didn't come across well for me is like everything was taught in isolation and nothing was kind of uh, expanded on um, to like its its overall uh, applicability to everything else yep. um, so that's 0 to 10 seconds and then 10 seconds to like 120 120 so on and then you can look at that from your learning as well um, whereas like so you have an overall theme that's your aerobic system because that's like they all occur on a continuum and that's you like going across the whole thing um, and that's what you're trying to build off of because everything is going to be based off that aerobic system and then like you're going to have little kind of like mi- man, micro phases like, micro cycles, which would be your anaerobic glycolytic so that's just like It's slightly more intense, but um, in a shorter period. And then you're gonna have like the stuff that initiates everything. So your facts, uh, which would be your zero to ten seconds. So that's stuff that you can use. Like we do this all the time, and it's happening in us all the time. So you can try to use that and cater that towards what it is you're trying to do. But I'm still big on like everyone else and sort of if you're going to have your, uh, what do you call them, your assessment standards? Yep, and, assessment standards and what are the sports that you usually play?
0: Well, basketball is awesome. quite a common one for yeah. when you're teaching a lot of that so yeah. that allows you to do the biomechanical analysis, mm. volleyball is another popular one.
1: Mm. It's um like getting people involved in stuff that they're already good at, yeah. I'd say would be the easiest way There's familiarity exactly yeah um but then if you can combine that with actually what's happening within your body because i was like i always just i was going to be a teacher that was my me coming out of school but then once i found out everything that was happening within the body it's like that is that is unreal that's the stuff that you can just make subtle changes and this is going to happen so I don't know, I'm kind of i challenging someone. The reason why I put that one out there and couldn't really explain it is because I'm challenging someone to make a model out of things that we already know. Yeah. Um, so we have the three energy systems. We even have, I don't know, like the... Um, your, what's happening one step beyond that, which is, so we have our energy systems and then we have the uh, substrates that are helping fuel those energy systems. So we have the glycogen in the muscle, glucose in the blood. And then, like, if you have... Uh, it will go all the way down the steps to pyruvate, and if it's uh, if it's anaerobic, it's going to go to lactate, and then if you're um, if you have oxygen, it's going to go into the Krebs cycle. So that's all like you have your rate limiting steps, and that could be to you like this is the skill that I'm not very good at, so I need to go off to <laughs> lactate, which is like some sort of scaffolding, or you to um, become better at that skill, mm. so that you can become competent, which is in your Krebs cycle, which appear if. Like uh, in terms of when you're talking science and whatnot, um, you can create the most ATP and you, you can be more proficient because you can keep moving. Um, I'm just like anything in terms of, so if I see this or if this isn't already out there, I, I'm really challenging people to start to look at what we already have. Because I, I think what we do a lot of the time is we look at, we don't have this, we don't have this, we don't have this, but it's like we have a wealth of knowledge yep. everywhere. Um, we're just not expanding on it the way that we should. And what this is going to do is start triggering in people's minds that you can just evaluate someone walking to school. You look at their gait, or you can just go out and see movement, and then from that movement you can create, like, a whole game. Like, that's what you're doing with yep. gamification. Yep. Um, and, you know, because we're in the school, we're in physical education. That's It's not just getting people... Um, to play games or like to teach them how to play games what we do in PE is we analyse um, sociological physiological everything that's going to impact or influence movement and through and about movement that's what what we like to say yeah um so in terms of um, what you, how you can get people more physically active, firstly, we look at what it is that they are already good at and what it is that they enjoy, to do, yeah. uh, enjoy doing. And then maybe from there, create it or like have a model where, okay, these are the points of performance of this, and then break it down from there. Rather than giving them the overarching theme and then being like, all right, if you're not good at this, it's going to be really tough for you Yeah, it's like like, go the other way just like okay this is something that you're good at we can build
0: off that I like that so the key takeaways for me there were um, it's got to be fun and you can do that by building good narrative and using metaphors and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and then also build on uh, knowledge that's already there and I think in in PE a a lot of us educators tend to think that it's to level the playing field Mm -hmm. is to do it around a skill that people don't Oh, don't know. I'm for Then that's probably. I mean, maybe there needs to be more flexi- flexibility with these biophysical standards and mm. say, okay, well, our context isn't basketball mm-hmm. because that's good for you, you and you. But for you, you, you and you, that's no good because you suck at basketball or you don't like it. Yeah. Um, but going, okay, well, and that's more more onus on us and more workload for us. But going, hey pick the sport that you're good at because mm-hmm. you're familiar with that and you're mm-hmm. going to understand these concepts a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I think if that can be ingrained a little bit more with our practice, I think that's probably a really good takeaway.
1: For sure, yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Um, thank you for that. I, look, I, I, lo- I love catching up with you and having some training sessions and I've, you've probably seen if you're watching the video log, I've... I'm gonna splice in some of our out this morning to show some of the stuff that you're doing. Um, but it, it's it's really exciting to see the progress and the evolution and the, and the path that you're taking, working mm-hmm. with your communities and the stuff that you're doing around physical education. And it's it's you know, I said in the podcast ages ago that um, you know you are one of the 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 uh, the best, uh, one of the most interesting. Um, and probably most enjoyable characters that i've had the pleasure of teaching so it's I, I like you've taken this path and it's it's fun to watch so no doubt what was that something going flat no <laughs> doubt you'll um i'll have you on again and yeah uh, things will be good so yes, yeah.
1: appreciate awesome. thanks that, for that cheers cheers